the Reds are making me wonder about their commitment to their only goal for the rest of 2022. I'll tell you why I feel that way and why there is a guy who could play himself into the future plan of the Reds. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, who is out today. It's just you and me as we look at this Cincinnati Reds team that seems to be limping toward the finish line in 2022. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day, and we thank you very much for making us your first listen because we're free and available on all platforms and thanks again for joining if this is your first time make sure that you're subscribed because we want to uh, talk to you about the cincinnati reds plus if you're watching here on youtube for your first time ever make sure you jump in the comments section below always love to see the interaction there on today's podcast we are going to look at what the reds are doing about their future which is really the only stated goal for this season and why what they're not doing is concerning me. We're also going to look at a couple of guys, one guy who made a debut last night that I'm at least intrigued about. And then another guy who up until this point, we've kind of talked about him in a question mark type way, but I think he might be playing his way into the future plans of this team. And speaking of the future, the schedule for 2023 is out and I'm excited. I'm going to tell you why that's coming up a little bit later though. I want to start with what happened last night. Jonathan India played all right. In fact, uh, he had a double got thrown out on a base running uh, blunder, you know, toot blonde as our uh, friends over at red reporter would say, but not a great, uh, reason though, as to why he was pulled out of the game. In fact, uh, after that he was pulled, you had TJ Friedel come in and pinch hit for him at his next appearance. You had Nixon Zell moved to second base because of course the reds decided to play shorthanded. They did the whole shorthanded reds thing, but the reasoning behind it really has me concerned. Listen to David Bell as he talks about why Jonathan India was pulled from the game last night. You know, that that um, uh, hit by pitch at the Field of Dreams was really bad. Like it was, and unfortunately he's still feeling, um, he's still feeling it. You know, he gets early in the day, he feels great. And then by the end of the game, just the pressure of being on his feet all day, um, it just by the end of the game, it's like throbbing and really hurting him. So it, it takes a lot to get him out of the game. Um, I'm glad he, he got the trainers involved and we're able to get him out of there. So we're really going to have to be uh, careful with that. Why is he playing? Honestly, why is he playing? David Bell just said that Jonathan India is playing hurt. Ever since the Field of Dreams, two weeks ago. He got hit in the leg and had that crazy uh, contusion. They thought he was going to have compartment syndrome and all this other stuff. Why is he playing? And I get it. He's had a rough year and he probably has, I mean, he's a competitor. So he's got this factor in his brain that he's just like, I have got to salvage this season because it's been rough. It's been the kind of sophomore slump that you always worry about with a guy that has such a great rookie season like Jonathan India had, but I don't want him to play hurt. The one goal for the Reds, the Reds have one responsibility this season, 
and it's to protect the future. Whether you're talking about figuring out who's going to be here, who's going to be an important part of the lineup or the rotation or the bullpen or whatever, for guys that we know, like Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson and all these other guys, protect them. They've not done a good job with that with Tyler Stevenson. They seem to be doing a pretty poor job of that with Jonathan India. So that makes me wonder, what are we doing here? Do we know what we're doing here? Do the Reds understand the responsibility that's in front of them? Because yes, we give David or we give uh, Nick Crawl an amazing grade for what he did at the trade deadline. But it's like lots of different people say rebuilding is part tear down, part build. How do you build? How do you put this team in a position to win? You keep your guys healthy. Jonathan India is not healthy. So why is he playing hurt? I, I, I don't understand that at all. In fact, I get it. He's had a hit in every game since he missed a handful of games after the Field of Dreams uh, hit by pitch. But if something that happened two weeks ago is still bothering him. Let him heal. Put him on the injured list. There's there's no reason other than individual accolades and individual statistics that I could think of that you would play Jonathan India at this point. If you were in a pennant race, okay, let him play hurt. If you were trying to get to the wild card spot, fine. They're not. They're nowhere close. This season's over. The season's been over. We're like seven games away from the Reds officially showing that they're not going to go 500 this year, which by the way, if you thought that was in doubt, sorry, it's not been in doubt for a while, but this team needs to focus on the future. And part of that is making sure that the guys who are bona fide parts of the future are being cared for and their futures being protected. And it sure doesn't seem like they're doing that with Jonathan India. I, I, I don't, I don't understand why David Bell would risk this. And, and they've talked before about how the organization is aligned, right? Nick crawl, David Bell, they, they all work together on this, whether this is a front office call that he remains in the lineup, whether this is David Bell, just standing for his guy, because we know that David Bell is a very big protector of his players, but not just physically, but also, you know, mentally and emotionally, he's a very, uh, fr- a player friendly manager but they've all got to get together on this one. In fact, if you heard at the end of the clip, he said, well, thank, thankfully, you know, uh, he, he reached out for the trainers and the trainer said, pull them. It's like, can someone take control here? They need to protect Jonathan India. Management needs to tell him you're going on the IL. We're making sure that you're healthy before you play again. And if that means that you've got to wait until pitchers and catchers report next year, then fine. Because there's no reason in my mind, like if he goes on a tear and ends the season, because right now his OPS plus is at 90. If he ends the season with an OPS plus above a hundred. Okay. So what? Like, I I, I don't, this makes no sense to me. He needs to be on the IL. The reds need to be protecting their future and letting Jonathan India play hurt is not going to do that because I mean, if the Reds are truly focused on the right goals, Jonathan India needs to go on the IL today and be given time to heal, period. 
we had another major league debut. You know what? That, we, we, that, that, that's a bit of a negative. Let's, let's focus on the positive for the rest of the show. We had another major league debut last night and it went well. Plus Alejo Lopez has become intriguing. I'll get into why in just a moment. But first, uh, you're hanging out with some friends. Look, uh, we have a, uh, a message here from the NHTSA uh, that, you know, consider this. You're, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby, you think. You, you can make it home. It's no big deal. What's the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Coming up tomorrow... On the podcast, Steve sits down with Annie Sabo. Got a great conversation coming for you. He's he's had a lot of great stuff here recently. Gotten the chance to talk to Matt McLean. He talked to Spencer Steer. If you haven't checked those out, they're both in your audio feed and on YouTube in the Lefty in the Bullpen playlist. As Steve has been getting a chance to have a lot of great conversations, and they've been very illuminating, getting to see the other side of things from the players and now from Annie's perspective. That's the Lefty in the Bullpen, both on YouTube and in your audio feed. All right, let's focus on a couple of players that have been intriguing to me. Last night, of course, was the debut of Chucky Robinson behind the plate. And for a moment, I just want to focus on his story because as, as a fan of baseball and especially a fan of, you know, seeing guys come through the minor leagues and prospects and things like that, we, we focus so much on the rankings and who's in the top 10 of the organization, who's in the top 100 of major league baseball and things like that. But sometimes you get these stories about these guys that, that, they don't necessarily come out of nowhere. If you're talking about the rankings, sure, they weren't ranked. But guys come up to the major leagues and get a shot. And that, for me, is as much baseball as it is Hunter Green coming up and making his debut. Chucky Robinson was a 21st-round pick in 2016. In fact, I love the article that Bobby Nightingale had in the Inquirer about this because he's like, 31 players were picked in the round that Chucky Robinson was picked in 2016. And like 27 of those players aren't even in baseball anymore. Many of them were gone the next year after they were drafted. Chucky stayed with it, put in the work, and now here he is in the major leagues. And his first game, he gets a hit. He gets a single, and he comes around to score. I, I cannot imagine that. And plus, you know, he had the distinction. He was on the roster for the Field of Dreams game. He was the 27th man, but he didn't get in the game. So it was kind of one of those things like, 
almost like you get to take a tour and sit in the dugout or something like that. Now, Field of Dreams game, that'd be one heck of a tour. But, you know, not getting in the game probably felt a little bit hollow to him as like, all right, well, whatever. I got called up to just sit there. But this time it was for real. And getting in the ball game, getting the catch and getting the hit and all this other stuff, like, I can't imagine starting your career as a 21st round pick in 2016 and for six years putting in the work. I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't even think he was part of the alternate site in 2020. And here he is. He's able to make it to the major league. So that's, it's so awesome to see. I mean, can he be a rotational catcher for this team? If we want to go there in that part of the conversation, I don't know. Like time's going to tell. Uh, what can he put in? Can be worse than Michael Papierski. I, I bet he's, I mean, he's already better than Michael Papierski in my estimation. So I, I think he's got a better shot than him. Is he better than Mark Colesvari? Probably. Where does he fit in, though? Because there's plenty of catchers that are coming up. You got Matt Nelson, you got Daniel Viohin, um, and I know I'm forgetting one more, but yes, I mean, you know, there's plenty of competition coming up there. Even if they do move Tyler Stevenson to first base like they should. Chucky Robinson's still going to have to fight for his spot on this roster, but he has a shot to be a rotational catcher. And I, I wonder if he was candid back in 2016 after being a 21st round pick, I wonder what he would have said. You're just like, Hey, you got a shot here. And that is where the mystique. And I know that we like to get down about this team and, and you know, people, don't want to watch because, well, you have games like last night where the Reds were basically out of it by the end of the third inning. But there are opportunities like this to see guys that we wouldn't normally see just try to make a name for themselves, try to carve out a spot in the Reds' future. Can Chucky Robinson do that? He's got a better shot than you and I do of it because he's on the roster. So I'm looking forward to see what he can bring to the table. As far as scouting report-wise, look, like I said, he's not in any sort of top prospect list. Nobody really put together, you know, like the 20 to 80 scale on him. So I'm I'm curious, but, I mean, temper your expectations. We're not talking about a dude that has the sort of uh, starting point. You know, they talk about that in college sports when it comes to the rankings. Where do you start in the rankings is just as is almost as important as where you end. Obviously, where you end is the most important. But if you start pretty high, that means you've got a really good shot to end up at the top. Chucky Robinson is starting from way back on the list. But it's baseball that a guy like this could come up and really carve out a name for himself. So I'm rooting for him. Obviously, he's a red. I'm rooting for him. But I, I love to hear stories like this. Speaking of stories like this, now he was on a on a list. I think he was between 20 and 10, but Alejo Lopez is making me pay attention to him. Now, I know that really the most recent memory we have of Alejo Lopez is him coming into a game against the New York Mets with the bases loaded where Jose Barrera was supposed to be batting, and for some reason David Bell brings in Alejo Lopez so we were looking at that in kind of a negative light, but it's not his fault. I mean, David Bell made the decision. It's not like Alejo Lopez pushed Jose Barrero out of the way to take the at-bat. But Alejo Lopez is making me pay attention to him. Even though he's gotten, you know, it's only like 74 at-bats so far this year, he's another guy that I don't think is part of the future, but he could play himself into that. And he's got a very niche uh, reason as to why he brings value to this team. For two reasons, he makes contact. He gets on base because he just makes contact with pitches and he doesn't strike out. 
he is well below average when you're looking at strikeout percentage at the plate. And sure, it's still a very small sample size. Things could change in one direction or the other, but he's not going to have, he's not going to be a power threat. He's going to be that guy that gets on base because he makes contact. In fact, when you look in on his like plate discipline numbers and things like that, I kind of pulled these up on baseball savant. He just makes contact, man. League average for players who swing at pitches that are in the strike zone is 82% contact. That's what the average major league player does. He makes contact on 88% of the pitches that he swings at in the strike zone. And then if you look at, you know, pitches that he chases that aren't in the strike zone, the major league average for actually hitting that kind of a pitch is only 58%. Alejo Lopez is 71%. He just knows how to get the bat on the ball. And really there there's a dearth of guys like that in the league right now that know how to get the bat on the ball, put the ball where the fielders aren't. And it feels like Alejo Lopez is doing that every other day. Now he's not getting the kind of regular playing time that you see like Aristides Aquino getting, but we know what's going to happen when Aristides Aquino steps up to the plate, which by the way, again, another amazing throw from Aquino in the outfield. He's doing some amazing things in the field. But if we could make like a designated fielder, okay, we got a designated hitter. Maybe we make a designated hitter for, or make a designated fielder who doesn't have to hit because then Aristides Aquino's value would go way up because he's such a liability in the lineup. I wonder if Alejo Lopez was to get more opportunities the rest of this year, if he would continue on this trend, because what he is showing isn't you know, it's just crazy numbers that you wonder like, oh, the BABIP is, is, is just insanely high. He's so good at putting the ball where the fielder isn't. And that's a talent that you don't see in today's game. In fact, let's take it a step further because he doesn't swing and miss. His whiff rate is almost 10% below league average. He just doesn't strike out. And I think that you know, you don't want a lineup full of Alejo Lopez's, but could you stick him at the bottom of your lineup and then have his base running acumen and his fielding acumen to boot? Yeah, I can see that. But probably, I mean, on a playoff team, there's definitely a different conversation there, but I want to see him grow more. And the only way he's going to grow more is if he gets consistent playing time. Again, this follows up with what we said about Jonathan India. You can put Jonathan India on the injured list and you can insert Alejo Lopez at second base. Now you're talking about probably Kyle Farmer or Donovan Solano playing first. Um, one of those guys playing third. I would love again, love to see them bring up Spencer Steer. I don't know if that's going to happen. As we talked about yesterday, Steve and I, that they're not necessarily trying to start the clock on guys that they figure will be a big part of the future. So many, you know, so many starting times looking the same. So they don't want to have to make a billion trades in one year. But in this instance, India is not healthy. You're not really that sold on a bunch of different guys in AAA getting the call over Spencer steer, call him up, put Alejo Lopez at second base. I want to see if this plate discipline and, and, and the contact really his ability to just make contact with the baseball. If that continues in a regular way, because regular playing time is not something Alejo Lopez has gotten in his first two years of his career. What happens if he gets that? I'd be very intrigued to see. But the Reds are going to have guys that they don't expect work their way into the future plans of, you know, 
a, a playoff version of the Reds. Could Alejo Lopez and Chucky Robinson? Why not? You know what? Speaking of the future, the brand new schedule was released and Major League Baseball changed some things up. Now the Reds will play everyone. We'll break it down. Coming up next. But first, I want to let you know that you can follow the podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube. And make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube. You click the bell to get notified every time a new video comes up. We will have some more live shows coming up where you can interact with us and we will be answering questions and taking your comments and things like that. And the best way to not miss any of that is to subscribe and click that bell. Also, make sure that you're following us on Twitter in between podcasts. We have plenty of takes on Twitter and lots of general silliness as well. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's and you can follow the show at locked on reds. All right. Circle your calendar for March 30th of 2023 because the reds will play host to the pirates for opening day. That's right. We got our new schedule out. Let me throw this up here as the schedule was released. And, you know, there, there was talks about Major League Baseball uh, creating a balanced schedule so that everybody plays everybody at least once. Now, when you're looking at the National League, the Reds have home and homes against their National League foes. When you look at the American League, they play one series, whether it's home or away against American league teams. Like you'll see in may the reds have the Yankees coming to town and they've got the white Sox coming to town. But then, you know, like in April at the end of April, they go to Oakland. Oakland's not coming here at any point in the season, but they will in 2024. This schedule was designed to be something that baseball fans could see every team come through their home ballpark at least once in a two year span. So whoever the Reds make a road trip to go see next year, that team will then come back 2024. So this is really fun. I love this. I love the way that this schedule works out because it has long since been the National League versus the American League. These two leagues have been one league for a long time now. They've had similar rules. And, then you know, obviously now with the advent of the designated hitter, it doesn't really make sense to have the just differences and the, the split schedule of, well, we'll play only national league teams and maybe a couple of American league teams. And I especially think with the marketing problem that major league ha major league baseball has, this can kind of start to help that a little bit. You, you will get to see Shohei Otani at great American ballpark. I can't wait for that. I love Shohei Otani. We'll get to see, you know, Aaron judge, Hitting Aaron, Aaron Judge hitting a Grand American boy was is he the most excited dude about this? Is the most excited guy in America right now? Aaron Judge looking at the 2023 schedule, he's like, "Ooh, Great American Ballpark, huh? How many home runs am I hitting this year? Yeah, let's book me for more next year. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. That's assuming he stays a Yankee." That's a whole nother deal, but yeah, th this schedule is awesome. And when I look at the schedule, there's two months. I, I think it was kind of going around reds, Twitter last, uh, yesterday, whenever the schedule came out that, um, or two days ago, whenever it was that April is a gift and that it's easy. 
Now, it's it's hard to say what's easy right now because the offseason hasn't even started yet. Teams haven't made moves. I look at April. I see Texas on the schedule coming to Great American Ballpark. Texas is going to be better next year. They invested a lot of money this year. They're changing their front office around. They're changing their management around. They're not going to sit on their hands this offseason. They're going to be better. But still, I look at April, and I also look at August. Look at August in that, yes, it's the only month with the only true West Coast road trip. And we know how the Reds fare, even in years when they're supposed to be good as they go on West Coast road trips. But you still have the Cubs, the Nationals, the Marlins, the Pirates, and you've got the Angels for three. You've got the Diamondbacks for three that, yes, you go to their place. But I don't necessarily know that those teams are going to be markedly better than they are this year. I think that, you know, with the impending ownership change that the Angels have, this isn't necessarily something that overnight, I don't think they're going to get a Steve Cohen type deal. They're going to get a guy who comes in and puts in a lot better of a system, but I don't think that it's going to be like, snap your fingers, all of a sudden the Angels are World Series contenders. They've got two of the best players in Major League Baseball. They've got a lot of holes everywhere else. So, yeah. I look at April and I look at August as months of opportunity for the Reds. Pretty much everywhere else, though, they run into a lot of strong teams. I'll throw the schedule up here one more time for those of you on YouTube. Um, You know, you look at the last month of the season, that's going to be a gauntlet, especially, and I find this interesting, too, because I always feel like the Reds play the Guardians now. See, I didn't say it. I said Guardians. The Reds play the Guardians. It always feels like super early on in the season. Well, this time it's late. You've got two at home against the Guardians in August, and then you've got two in Cleveland, the final or the second to last series of the season. That's kind of cool. Thinking about August and September against the Guardians, and then they finish up the year with the Cardinals there in September. September is going to be tough to see them finish out the year. May is going to be tough because you got the Mets, the Yankees. Um, you've got Boston. Boston's going to be just chomping at the bit with what they've been doing this year. They're going to figure out what they did wrong and they're going to fix it. You got the White Sox to begin that that month as well, and really just. All of it, there, there's so much, and, and this is where the balanced schedule is so awesome, is that you get to see all of these teams that, yeah, you wouldn't normally see, but you're seeing a lot of good talent against the Reds. And no longer are you going to have, you know, oh, well, is interleague a thing anymore? It's the major leagues, man. Like, American League versus National League, I think, was a thing, like, in the 40s. And I don't think, okay, Interleague didn't get introduced for, you know, whatever, 40 years after the 40s. But even still, like, that's when it really stopped so far as being two separate leagues. It just took everybody a long time to get going because, well, it's baseball. Took everybody a long time to get with the program. And now here we are. A balanced schedule, like kind of what you see. I mean, there's only 17 games in the NFL season, but if they had more games, everybody would play everybody. Uh, But there's a balanced schedule, and there's a balanced schedule in baseball now. It's something that they needed for a long time, and I love it. I am so excited about this. I love the whole feeling of in a two-year span, every single team will have come to Great American Ballpark. There's no longer, you don't get those awkward things where it's just like, let's see, the last time the Reds played the uh, Rangers was 2012 or, you know, whatever it is. It's been a long time 
since the Reds have played some certain teams. Now we're not going to have that. You play them every year. You, you get to see them every year. There's no more, hey, how you been? When's the last time Adrian Beltre was your third baseman? You know, things like that. I'm looking forward to it. And this is where we're going to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you. As we look toward the future, there will be a lot more as far as interviews with prospects. We'll have Tom Nichols on to kind of break down the minor league season for the Red Legs. We're going to look at a bunch of different stuff and get you set for the off season as we roll into the final month of the Red season. It is. It was always going to be, but we will enjoy the final uh, however many games we've got left here of this season for the Red Legs as we look forward to the future and what the Reds are going to do to make it a winning future. But now that you've listened to Locked On Reds, check out Locked On MLB. Sully's got you covered league-wide with all of the great humor and, and, and pizzazz that he brings to baseball chat. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. You can expect Steve, we'll be back tomorrow, and we will be Locked On Reds every single day.